Kirby, the only mammoth I'm interested in is the second mammoth WVH album that's going to drop on August 4th, 2023 from Wolfgang Van Halen. I have zero, less than zero interest in this. I am not going to eat some sort of woolly mammoth testicle. question as we start episode number 143 of the promo upfront podcast and that's what's the frequency kenneth and if you can answer that i'm one of your hosts bill petrie with me as always let's call him the rear admiral of the rebrand that's right the one and only kirby hossaman kirby how the april fool's day tomorrow are you <laughs> you know what i'm doing well man uh the uh we were just talking before we got started the first quarter of the year has started off with a bang Love mm-hmm. that. And so then it's a matter of, okay, so how do I keep this baby rolling? Make sure I'm doing all the things I need to do. And honestly, one of the things I was doing uh, today, Bill, was thinking about goals uh, for the next 90 days. And so, you know, I love that kind of stuff. So I'm I doing do. Hey, how about you? I'm doing good. It's opening day for uh, baseball. So I'm in my only baseball really regalia that I have. So this will be the only day I wear because I'm a Texas Rangers fan and they should be mathematically eliminated from the playoff contention by about the time we set uh, Doc in Nassau on the promo cruise (laughs) in about three weeks. Um, but, uh, no, real thankful for, uh, uh, being busy, really busy right now. And I yeah. love that. It gives me energy. Um, I feel like I've accomplished things at the end of the day. So I'm very thankful for that. Very thankful for the nice weather and all that. But it got me to thinking Kirby, as things often do, I think you'd agree with me that there's just really not enough sincere gratitude in the world. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. Yes. I figured you would. Now we have a message of gratitude today. Not sales, but gratitude from our friend Bruce Jolish at PXP Solutions. And here's what he had to say. Today, I just want to say thank you to all our clients at PXP Solutions. Without your business, your partnership, and your loyalty, we wouldn't exist. And I don't know about you, Kirby. I love the fact that Bruce and PXP Solutions is so focused on gratitude. They want to spend their sponsorship today just thanking their clients. Yeah. Well, I've I've often said, I think gratitude is the antidote for a lot of what ails us. I think you can spend a whole heck of a lot of time, you know, focusing on the gap in your life, uh, the things that you don't have. And I think that leads to a miserable life and a miserable business. So the idea that you, that Bruce wants to spend some time on gratitude, I think not only is it good business from my perspective, but it's good humanity. 100% 100% gratitude absolutely dictates attitude in many ways, if you yeah. think about it. You know, I love that so much, What you said, what Bruce had to say. He had a little bit more to say. Okay. He said, from my point of view, people don't say thank you. I appreciate what you do for my business often enough. Yeah. The deepest human need is to feel appreciated. And when we write a thank you note for your order for apparel decorating, we are letting you know how much you are appreciated. Yeah. So again, thank you for your business. You are truly appreciated. We'd love it if you'd let someone else know in your organization that PXP did a great solution, a great job for you. Whether it was a simple 100 piece, one location print, or a rush order we were able to turn in two days, referrals help our business in the same way a thank you note lets you know how much we appreciate yours. 
Again, I love the message. So if you're interested in working with Bruce Jolish and PXP Solutions, they do such a great job with screen printing and decorating apparel. You can't you can't go wrong. Call him. He does answer his phone. It's amazing. He runs a place. He answers his phone. 214-226-3105. And let PXP help you with your next apparel decorating order. All right, Kirby. We are at episode number 143. How'd we get here? Uh, we got yeah. here by... We got here by someone starting us off with the upfront topic of the day. Kirby, I believe you have the honor today. I do. I do. And by the way, thank you for reminding me. Uh, it, for those who don't know, the, the behind the scenes of this is that Bill just runs all the trains. I just show up. And so it's, it's, I, I was very tickled when he sent me uh, information, said, hey, by the way, so that I wasn't <laughs> scrambling when we first started. So thanks, Bill. Um, you are okay. too kind. Um, okay, so I want to talk to you about the Pothole Patrol. The Whoa, pothole. the Pothole Patrol. My kids loved the Pothole Patrols as kids. They loved, uh, oh, that was Paw Patrol. I'm yeah. sorry, what is the Pothole Patrol? So this is a uh, thing in Johannesburg, South Africa. Apparently okay. the residents have been especially annoyed with uh, some of the potholes because they've gotten bigger or whatever. So sure. an or organization has... Um, uh, Dial Direct Insurance and Discovery Insured has launched a pothole repair branding initiative. So okay. they are going around uh, Johannes Johannesburg, South Africa, and filling potholes and then mm -hmm. putting their logo on it to let people know that they did it. Um, right. As a t as a tie-in, Domino's did a big campaign like this in 2018 where they did the same thing, where they would put the Domino's yeah. logo on it. And yes, we okay. did that, right? So... I <laughs> I thought this was super fun. And honestly, I was like, oh, okay, well, that's, I think yeah. you could create something around this. I wanted to know your take on it and uh, if you think it's a good idea and what your thoughts are. So I have one quick question and you may not know the answer before I launch into my opinion on this. Does the decoration on the pothole, is it as long as it's, I mean, does it last forever? Or is it the spray paint way after a period of time? So it stays there forever or forever. Well, until the pothole gets banged up again. So for right? six months, year, yeah. a year or so. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't like it because of that reason. That's why I asked. Okay. If it was temporary, it'd wash away in a couple of weeks and it's biodegradable, not bad for the environment. Yeah. I love the idea. Because it's spray paint, and again, I, if I'm wrong in this, I don't yeah. want to be barbecued by one of our listeners, one of the yeah. two of our listeners. Um, I think because it's spray paint and all that, I don't love that because I, I almost feel like the NASCARification of streets. Now, again, I love the idea. I think executed well, it's awesome. Yeah. It's a way to get. I mean, I hate potholes. You you live in Ohio, so you certainly go through pothole season every sure. year. Um. So I love the idea. I just don't know if I love the execution. But again, cool. I haven't seen it. Cool, cool. And and again, I can't speak to whether or not, you know, the the sustainability part of it. Sure. But I know Domino's, they said spray paint. Is it biodegradable? I have no idea. Um, I would assume I, so, but. I, I would, I, maybe. Here's what I would say. I love it. I love it with yeah. a capital L. Um, yeah. And there are, because I think, because and again, because I'm in Ohio, and I think those places where yeah. the 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 shift in weather really does make a big difference on the streets, sure. they become topics of conversation all around social media in a community. And this is one of those ways that a I think it's just a positive, right? That you can actually fix the pothole in a, a location where everybody's complaining about it. So you show yeah. your piece to the community. 
the branding piece of it is really, from my perspective, just the cutesy part of it. To me, right. I, I'm literally like, okay, I like that piece of it, but I would be doing PR campaigns, social media campaigns. I would tie it to branded merch Absolutely. because you say, okay, whatever the, the, the imprint is on the pothole, I'm going to put a t-shirt around that. And if you do a post right. about it, then maybe you get a t-shirt. Like to me, the, the, the actual imprint on the pothole is the smallest part of the value you get on this. So I saw this and was right. like, Hmm, how much does it cost to fix a pothole? Because I was like, literally thinking, right. now I'm not sure that works for Hosman marketing, but I was thinking around for my clients and going, I think this, mm -hmm. there might be something to this. And PS, I Googled it. The cost is about 50 bucks a pothole. So wow, not okay. that crazy, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I, for the the articles that would get written, all that sort of thing, I, I think it's brilliant. So I, I, I don't disagree with any of that, by the way. I actually yep. agree with all of you. I just don't know about the execution. Here's what I don't like about it, if it's spray paint or something like sure. that. If you think it's trash on the road, people might swerve out of the way and things yeah. like that. Okay. But what I think, again... Benefit of not seeing it. Sure, sure. Monday morning quarterback, not my idea. But what if you were able to fill that pothole and make it textured so that if you laid shirts on top of it, you're able to screen print right on it so they're mementos of a pothole that was filled. Now, that's stuff I could get into. Yeah, that would be I, – I would love to talk to the street department who was able to do that. But yeah. uh, I, and I think the challenge there would be after a couple of tires over it, it would probably Add break off. But – I like so, what you're thinking. So maybe you maybe you fix it for a day. It's blocked off for a day. You run a limited number of t-shirts. You sell those to people, and that pays for the pothole repair. Okay, all right. I don't I, know. I, yeah, I like it. I like it. I, I dude, I'm yeah. seriously, I'm seriously thinking like, okay, how much could I budget to do something like this? Because I think the 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 unpaid media you would get around it would be yep. worth all of I, it. I, I tell you what, if you figure out how to do it, I'm in on brand debate and I'm in on promocations. Let's let's paint the town promo. Let's paint it. the town promo. I love it. I love it. Man, I, we're amped up today. And, you know, speaking of amping up, Kirby, yeah. hey, distributors, is your marketing working? If you can't answer that question with an immediate, oh, by golly, it is, then you need to reach out to our pals over at Promo Pulse. They can help you consistently amplify your sales through stunningly beautiful outbound marketing that's so easy you can customize it set it and forget it in less than five minutes learn more at promopulse.io slash amp okay kirby great topic to start us off i want i called you at the beginning of the podcast the rear admiral of rebranding okay because there's a corporate rebranding carousel going on i don't know if you've noticed this um, in, in the world, there's been a lot of, of rebranding lately. And the latest one, Kellogg's rebranded some of their companies into two different ones. Pepsi has rebranded yet again. Now, hmm. I have a theory about this. And so I've, I have a theory I want to talk about. And then I have a couple of questions about rebranding. Okay. So let me go through the Pepsi thing real quick. Okay. So they rebranded again. It's the seventh time they have rebranded, and it's the fourth time in the last 35 years. New logo, new, you know, same colors, but new logo, new typeface, new font, everything. Okay. It's they go back and forth from newish to retro to newish to, you know, it, it, it they they seem confused. Meanwhile, their chief competitor in that space, Coca-Cola, has essentially had the same logo since 1891. Mm-hmm. 
it's an iconic logo and Pepsi's never been able to achieve that regardless what you think of either soft drink what your preference may or may not be right Pepsi's better sure Coca-Cola the Coca logo Coca-Cola logo is iconic and the Pepsi logo is just kind of there in my opinion um so my theory is this I think there's a correlation between your in, in certain industries between your brand and the stability of it and your place in the industry let me give you some examples Kirby Fast food, McDonald's. They've had the golden arches since 1960. Okay. So for, you know, 50 plus years, almost 60 years. Burger King has bounced around all over the place. Sure. They go from the retro burger to with, you know, all sorts of angles and colors. They're number two. McDonald's is a clear leader. Burger King's number two. How about web searching? Google, they've essentially had the same logo, slightly different font, but the same rainbow colored logo since 1998. Yahoo has had seven since their inception in 1994, radically different logos. Again, number one, Google, number two, Yahoo. Do you agree with my theory that the stability of the logo directly translates into success of the brand? Hmm. I did so, some research for this one. Yeah, you should Yeah, no, I love it. I, so I, I think my initial reaction is yes, I do agree. However, the big caveat here is that um, a really, really smart person in this industry is has said, man, you should really look at your logo and your brand about every 18 months. And so that would be me. I think. So I, like I look at that and go now. And what's funny about this, Bill, is uh, so during the conversation, that's what I was thinking about. I actually do think yeah. it's important to relook at it, all that sort of thing. I relook at it. And yet the circle H continues to be on my wall because, and that's been the same since 2004, essentially. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I've looked at rebranding and I keep coming back to, you. no, I think this still tells our story. Um, so right. it has been, um, it has been um, consistent with us. Like mm -hmm. if I do a rebrand handedly, it'll be, we're, we're going to change the name. We're going to change everything. Right. right? It's not going right. to be, I'm going to tweak the font of the H. Um, right. so I think I've never thought of it the way that you just presented it. So, um, but I think I do agree that stability and branding is one of those things that is underrated. We like, I think people, and I talk to clients about this all the time, you know, Nike logo, right. It's been the same yeah. for forever. And I think it's actually one of the reasons I think people get really hung up on when they're starting a business or they're starting a new vision or a new product. They're like, Oh, we got to get the logo. Right. And you do. But once you are kind of there, it's yeah. that and stick with it. And the way that you make it right is by going all in on it, not changing it every 10 minutes. Yeah. So obviously these are it's a couple examples in a vacuum. I could find just as many examples of companies that never got to number one that have this, had the same yeah, sure. logo. So, yeah, yeah. but it, I think there is some correlation between how clients perceive an organization and the stability of the branding. Yeah. Um, I do, I do preach this and I believe it. I think you yeah. were referencing me when the person, was. uh, every, well, I said uh, you were smart 24 months and I don't know what he believes that, <laughs> um, but I do, but that, but see, you're looking at your brand on a regular basis, on a consistent basis. And it's okay. I think if you arrive at what we have works, what right. we has tells our story, what we yeah. have, what we have tells our story, sure. what we have speaks to our clients. 
I don't understand, you know, again, I always look at Pepsi and Burger King, which are, you know, they, they're not related, but I always view them together. They're always also rants. Hmm. And they're always the ones that are shifting their logo back and forth. They can't settle on anything. They seem continually restless because they can't beat their chief competitor. And they're doing exactly what you and I talk about a lot. They're focused way too much on what the competition is mm, doing, yeah, yeah, not nearly enough on what they're doing. So I, you know, I think there's an interesting thing there yeah. with the theory. I, I do think there's a thing there, but I now so now the second part of this, we also know rebranding is important, right? Yeah, it, it is important to do. Um, if you're merging companies, if you're starting a new company, if maybe you feel like your 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 uh, logo isn't your brand isn't speaking to your audience anymore, right? Do you go in-house or do you go outsourced? And I ask this because Kellogg's recently split off their snack company into Kellanova. It's the dumbest name I've ever heard. I okay. don't, you know, it's, and that's all like Pringles and Keebler snacks and all that is going to be under Kellanova. And then the WM Kellogg's is going to be this North American cereal brand. Now they kept that in-house they surveyed about 3,000 employees, I believe, and they got a bunch of different names, and they settled on Kellanova with the, the Kel, uh, Kellogg's K we all recognize, and then mm. a very modern font for the Anova, or Elanova. Okay. Say. Okay. And so- So in your mind, do you, do you think it's better to do some sort of rebranding in-house or outsource it? Yeah, I think that- um... Obviously, it depends on your team, right? I, this feels, as a side note, that feels like literally you can put a stamp on it and say, oh, cool, a committee did this. That literally, like, uh, literally that's that's what that screams, right? Um, and I haven't seen it, but the idea that we're it's like, okay, we're going to do- Yeah, it's like, so that a group of people managed to settle on the worst possible thing um, right. because they didn't want to offend anybody. Um, and so- yeah. I would say, A, don't have a committee do it. Um, I, I think like, for example, with our team, um, I would probably want to have our group have a say in it. But I think yep. the point that you're making is is a good one in the sense that if you want to have a fresh perspective of your brand, you need fresh eyes to look at it, Absolutely. right? And so mm-hmm. I think if like, and, and I guess I would just use us as an example. Yeah. We're good with the circle H and I'm, I'm playing, but... I have thought about it. And if I thought about it, I'd be like, okay, we're going to have Briar and Dustin and me involved in that conversation, but someone else is going to do the pitch. Someone else has to look at it. We're too close. And so I think that is exactly what we would do. And it would be like, again, if I do it, it's going to be, we're going to blow it all up and we're going to change everything. Um, But if, if you're going to do something like that, I do think you need a fresh perspective because I'll tell you um, rich Patterson um, recently mm, did yeah, yeah, Rich, a rebrand. Great yeah, great yep. guy. He just did a rebrand and I saw it up in uh, at SKUCon in Vegas. And I think his company before was named after him. It was Patterson. Yeah, Patterson Brands. Yeah, okay. And he changed it to PB&J. And mm-hmm. it is, I, I thought it was brilliant. Like it was, it literally kind of ties to the whole yeah feeling good around peanut butter and jelly and the logo looks like it. It still kind of ties to, it's got a little nod to what it used to be. And like, I don't know that Rich could have done that on his own. It's, you know what I mean? Like you need somebody on the outside to kind of look at it with a fresh perspective to really do something dynamic that resonates that I think that's my take. 
Yeah, and I actually agree a thousand percent with what you said. I think the best way to do this is you have someone from the outside leading that charge. While there are certain key stakeholders internally letting that person, that outside person, know where the bodies are buried, what's what has been done, what is the history. Let's yeah. take all of that into account. Where are we going? Who are our yeah. target? Who's our target audience? What do right. we want? What do we aspire to be? I think that's the way. You know, when I look at the Kellanova thing from from Kellogg's, sounds like a healthcare company. <laughs> Yeah, no. It, it, what happens if you just do it in-house, everybody's way too close to it. So yeah. for some people, it's their baby. And yeah. it's very difficult for Big them time. to look at it differently. Other people, that's the boss's baby. I'm not going to tell oh, them yeah, I don't yeah. like the logo. Great I don't point. like the brand. I don't like the colors. I don't like the type. I don't like anything about it. Um, so you have to have that outside voice who says things like, nobody is here to tell you your baby's ugly. Your baby's just grown up and needs a new set of clothes. Right. And that's always the way I position it with clients because it's hard. You're telling them this is something they created a lot of the time. Yeah, for so sure. I think, you know, but you need that outsourced person, but they need the internal people too, because they may not understand outside person may or may not really understand your business. Yeah. They may not understand your industry. They may not understand certain things that they need to know to really create something effective that's not Kellanova. So no. I really think the best is exactly what you said. Outsourced uh, team with in-house, a key stakeholder participation. Yep. I like it. That's cool. Awesome. That's a good. What one, do you man. got Kirby? Yeah, let's thanks. talk. Let's talk about meatballs made from extinct woolly mammoth. Man, I cannot tell you how much I was hoping you'd bring that up. <laughs> I can't tell if you're kidding. Um, I'm kidding. Okay. So an Australian food company a vow said yesterday it made a meatball from mm -hmm. the extinct woolly mammoth. Um, okay. So uh, this is essentially they took a DNA sequence of a mammoth muscle protein, added a splash of elephant DNA, and then inserted a complete gene into a sheep muscle cell where it was grown into 400 grams of meat. Add salt to taste. So <laughs> why why did they do this? <laughs> right. Obviously, they're doing it because, you know, they can they're trying to showcase that they can grow meat um, as an organization. But and here's how this ties to us. Right. The mammoth was selected to generate marketing buzz around Val's mission. And, you know, the um, concept is they wanted to do this because, you know, it would create a buzz around the idea of what they could do. And I think part of their mission is to be able to create meat without um, in a, in a uh, way that's better to animals, right? That it doesn't require growing animals and butchering them and all that sort of thing. So I, I desperately want Mandy Rudd's take on this, but um, what say you from a marketing perspective, a, will you try the, the woolly mammoth meatball and B what do you think of, I've given you two like out there concepts today, but I think they're really interesting. What do you think of the idea of doing something like this to create a media and marketing buzz? Kirby, the only mammoth I'm interested in is the second mammoth WVH album that's going to drop on August 4th, 2023 from Wolfgang Van Halen. 
I have zero, less than zero interest in this. I am not going to eat some sort of woolly mammoth testicle or whatever they're making out of it. <laughs> I have no interest whatsoever in this at all. And honestly, I think it's a bad idea, even from a marketing standpoint. I think the thought of engineered meat, the thought of engineered anything, uh, hyper-engineered is what it sounds like. I, I don't know if that's a term or if I just came up with it. Yep. But something that's so hyper-processed, so hyper um created in a lab. I, I don't think I have interest in that. To me, that's not something I want. Now, do we have, uh, uh, you know, uh, hunger issues in the world? Absolutely. Do we need to figure out a way to solve them? Absolutely. I don't think woolly mammoth testicle balls that are slathered in sauce sounds like a way to do that. So no, not interested at all from a marketing standpoint. I think it's a terrible idea unless they're just a food processing lab. I guess there's some value to it, but uh, no negative no let me quote the great norm hitskis here no 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 never 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 no never okay i love it i think it's amazing i if I, I they only made 400 grams of meat i'm sure i'm not probably on the list to get to try it um would i try it in a minute i would totally try it uh, I think that sounds totally interesting um, just to just to see what the concoction would be like. Um, you know, from a from a uh, marketing perspective, I don't know if I love it, but I do kind of like it because this is a, a, a conversation that nobody's having. Right. Like it's not like if they went, hey, we reconsidered this concept around sheep or we could, hey, we made goats. We're not talking about it. And nobody else is either. The idea that you were like, oh, OK. Because we have this technology, we can do something kind of crazy. This is not the 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 product line we're going to go to market with, but it shows you the power of what our organization is capable of. I, I don't know. I think it's kind of I think it's kind of fun. With great power comes great responsibility, and you're going to waste that power and responsibility on making woolly mammoth meat, and it's really not woolly mammoth meat. They might have taken the DNA, but we all know it's mostly elephant. It's kind of like when you have tuna in a can, it's pretty much dolphin. Yeah. I, that's what this smacks like to me. Again, <clears throat> I don't love this at all. I think it's a <laughs> horrific idea, but people are going to do what people are going to do. Kirby, <laughs> I got one more. I got one more quick one for you, Kirby. Okay, sounds it's good. pertinent and it's going to be a quick one. We're going to get out that's of here. That's fine. Um, Japan, I'm sure you're familiar with the, the uh, country in Asia. Yep. Uh, Japan is going to regulate stealth marketing. Okay. Um, so beginning October 1st, companies who pay influencers or others to push products or services must disclose the financial interest to the follower. They must disclose financial interest. Okay. So the growing concern is that the marketing of products and services without disclosure stops consumers from making truly informed purchasing decisions. So saying it's difficult for consumers to identify what's advertising, what's a paid promotion, what's somebody just liking something. So it's under their improper representation law, which is an activity that's banned, excuse me, banned under the law in Japan. So in true Japanese fashion, companies will be warned, warned, they'll be warned, named, and then shamed, and possibly more if they're in breach. Now, I want to I want to know, they're trying to basically regulate influencer marketing. I want to get your take on this. Yeah. So, A, I think there is some of that already happening, right, uh, here in, in the United States. Uh, you, the, the people, um, A, I think there's the the part where you're saying, hey, the, there's a paid promotion that's a part of that. 
Um, yeah. Facebook even says it when there is a boost of it or whatever. Um, and I think the other piece is like, duh, there's so much uh, sponsorship going on with influencers that I'll be honest yeah. with you, I don't follow very many influencers because I know essentially what it is, is it's going to be an entire commercial of Instagram. I don't a give a page. shit what yeah. Kim Kardashian uses. I just don't care. Um, that being mm. said, I think it's a weird thing. And again, obviously it's a different country and different culture, but from my perspective, I think it's a difficult thing to regulate because how do you know? That I don't just right. absolutely love this water bottle from well, PCNA, uh, right? Well, right. How do how can you how can you regulate that and and how do you regulate yeah. intention? Uh, so to right. me, I, I don't love it. I don't love it. Well, I, I going, get the idea behind it, but I don't love it. Yeah. Well, uh, again, I'm not part of the Japanese Secret Service, but they are going. They're targeting the companies, not the actual influencers themselves. So the companies have to disclose. We paid. X amount to what my understanding of it, we paid X amount to influencers over this period of time. I don't know if they have to segment it by influencer. I have right. no idea. Right. Um, I love it. I think it's great. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Um, I like transparency. And to me, this is transparency. Sure. Um, I, I, so I don't love government interference. So this is a very different turn for me. I like the idea that there's just disclosure. Do, you, do we need to regulate it to the point of shaming people? No. Or punishing people? No. But I think, again, as we move towards increased transparency is what people want, I think that's a good thing um, to just share. Yeah, we spend this much of our advertising budget on influencer marketing, and it works for us. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have an issue with that. Um, I prefer, though, government get involved in ratings. That is something that I take so much value in, and it's eroding at a rapid pace. Mm. When I see a new restaurant ratings or I see a product on Amazon, I wonder how many of those are bots, how many of those are real people, how many of those, how many of those are paid for. Mm, totally. Um, and, and so that's something I guess I'd really prefer them to focus on, but this is a start. This is a start. Yeah. I So I, I guess, yeah, I think I feel like we're talking about two different things from my perspective, um, because I, I think you say, oh, OK, you want to disclose what you spent on advertising. Sure. OK, that's I don't know that I care about that because I feel like I'm sort of doing that anyway, as you know, when we file our taxes and we say, hey, this is right. know, what profit is and all that sort of thing. That feels different than because where do you draw the line? So if yeah, I don't know. let's say PCNA gave gave me this water bottle. Is that a part of their advertising spend? They didn't pay me, but they spent money to ship it to me. Like, right. And, and now I'm talking about it on a podcast. So you say, okay, is that, where's it? It just feels. Um, oh, it's impossible to enforce. Yeah. Impossible I, that, to enforce. Yeah. So I, I like, again, I don't, I, I understand where you're coming from. And I think that honestly, really smart companies probably across the, the, the right. world are doing it in a, a way because they should be um, because it's yeah. effective. But I, the government jumping in the middle of it, and I'll be the first to say that always makes me nervous. You know, one of my least favorite terms is good government. Um, but oh, wow. but there are times where the government can do things that only the government can do. Right. This just feels like an overreach to me. It, it, it probably is. Yeah. You know, I don't love the phrase. Uh, you know, no one no one takes comfort when someone says, I'm from the government. I'm here to yeah, help here to you. Help. Um, so, but again, I love, I do love the idea of transparency. I don't like that the government's pushing for it. 
Sure. But I think it's, it, there should be transparency. Now, where I do think, unfortunately, the government does need to get involved is that ratings piece of it, which I think yeah, I got no problem with that. Step. Yeah, because again, yeah, there's, just, so, there's just flat falsehoods there, right? I just don't believe. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I used to believe everything on the internet. Now I don't. But you know what I do believe, Kirby? <laughs> I believe that the world would be a better place with a little bit more gratitude. And we have Bruce Jolish and his company, PXP Promotions, to... Uh, thank today because he had a great message of gratitude. He is so appreciative of the clients he has, just like Kirby's appreciative of the clients he has. I'm appreciative of the clients I have. And so all Bruce asked you to do is he'd love an opportunity to work on your business. He PXP Solutions is an outstanding screen printer based in Dallas, Texas. Um, centrally located. They do a great job. And if you know, they love an opportunity to work with you, you can call Bruce at 214-226-3105. That's right. He answers his phone. You can email him to bruce at pxpsolutions.com. But if you've worked with Bruce and he's helped you out, whether it's a smaller or large order, he'd love you to tell somebody else in your organization about it. That's how you can thank him for the great job he's done for you. And Kirby and I would like to thank you, both of our listeners, for sticking with us through 36 minutes and 28 seconds of podcasting Balsa Wood.